Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Man, it feels good in here. That worship was incredible. Your worship was incredible. Thank you for uh, shifting atmospheres, contending for heaven, going after God. We just love doing this together. And uh, one more time, I have my back to you. How many first-time visitors do we have? Just wave at me. Awesome. A bunch. Bless you guys. Thank you for being here. We love doing this with you too. Anybody excited about what Jesus is doing on planet Earth? Anybody excited about what Jesus is doing in Austin, Texas? Come on. Is anybody excited about the bride of Christ? <laughs> you know, I, I'm so stirred up by what God is doing. I'm so encouraged by what God is doing. You know, we are currently living in the greatest revival the world has ever seen. And I, I, I'm not referring to, to Austin. I'm not referring to a city. I'm referring to the globe over. Right now, God is doing more on planet Earth than at any time in history. I don't think you heard me. <laughs> right now, God is doing more on planet Earth than at any time in history. Come on. And you and I just happen to be alive for such a time as this. Thank you, Jesus. And it's no mistake. God is smiling on his bride. And uh, I believe that God is, is, has great plans for his bride, and he wants to take us somewhere phenomenal and somewhere incredible. That <laughs> that he's the head and we're the body, and the oil flows from the head down, and that Jesus is coming for, for a beautiful bride, a spotless bride. He's coming for a fully developed bride. That, that Jesus is, de, Jesus's desire for his bride isn't that we make it over the finish line limping and broken and dirty. Can I get an amen on that one, right? That God has beautiful plans for his bride. And he wants to develop his church, he wants to develop his bride to, to carry, to exude all of the beauty and nature of Christ and reflect it to the world. That we are in process, amen? And that, and that Jesus is, is growing us into his perfect image. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to talk about, I want to dream with you a little bit tonight about where we're going as the body, and I'm going to talk about about this house in a little bit, but I just want to talk about the bride of Christ in general at first, because God has big plans. Thank you, Jesus. And I feel like that that there is a shift coming upon us I just get giddy thinking about it. Like there is, there is a shift, there's an increase, there's a breakthrough, there's an advancement that's coming upon us that's going to blow away what we've been experiencing up to this point. And it's been really good <laughs> up to this point. 
Cancer is disappearing from people's bodies already. People are getting up out of their deathbed at the hospital already. Marriages are being restored already. Deaf ears are opening already. Muslims are getting born again already. Jehovah's Witnesses are experiencing the power of God already. <laughs> and if God's bringing a shift greater than that, what are we getting ready to experience? Whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but but our, our call as believers is to be married to Christ, not married to the church. I believe in the church. I love the local church. The local church is God's answer for the world. But God is, but the local church is in process. <laughs> he wants us crossing the finish line as that beautiful bride without the limp. But right now we're in process. But to go where we're going, I feel like he's reminding us that our call is to be married to Christ. And to be surrendered to Christ and yielded to Christ, not to the tradition of man. That God called you to himself, right? And church is where you fellowship and where you grow. But he, he called you to church, not to tradition. Uh, sorry, he called you to himself, not to tradition. And that's where we're going to encounter the fullness that he has for us. And I believe that there's a little bit of a stretching coming. <laughs> now, there's, a, there's a stretching coming and you know we just we got blessed are the flexible for they shall not break <laughs> and God's just imparting and releasing a greater level of flexibility how many people just want to be more flexible and like, like God is God is releasing and inviting us into a greater level of flexibility you know, worship's supposed to go 50 minutes, but it goes, it goes an hour and 20 minutes. So what? If God's on it, we want to go where he's going. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. I love back in the renewal, they say the only reason you'd bring your watch to church is to see if the date changed. Come on, is anybody feeling flexible? <laughs> <laughs> we're, that we're to be married to Christ and we're to be surrendered to Christ and we're to be flexible and yielded to the Holy Spirit. That where he goes, I go. Where he leads, I follow. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I love, I love the church. God loves the church. And he's continuing to grow the church. But, but in order to grow, we have to be flexible. When we become stagnant, when we become rigid, we can't grow any longer. So God is infusing, breathing back in a surrender to yieldingness, a flexibility. Because I, I love the church. I'm pastoring a church. I, I travel all of the world ministering into the church. God loves the church. But guess what? The, the Western church is, is not the pinnacle. Christ is, amen? And his image. And until we reach his image in fullness, we haven't arrived. Somebody say we haven't arrived. And if we haven't yet arrived, that means there's still more to apprehend. Thank you, Jesus. And that there are some things that we can learn. How many people know that God creates us wonderfully and uniquely on purpose? 
that he creates us with different strengths and different gifts on purpose. And he does that so that we will need each other. On purpose, he doesn't give you the whole package. Because he's not looking for a whole bunch of lone rangers. He puts the gift you need inside somebody next to you so that you will honor the gift on them so that you can receive it on yourself. And the church in the West has some beautiful strengths, but there's also some areas that we can grow in. <laughs> oh, man, dude. The stories of what God has, has done throughout revivals in the history, the stories of what God has done even in the underground church in China, for example, under great persecution, churches that are birthed in, in, in caves and, and in secret. And do you know the persecution has been so great at times in China that spirit-filled believers would have meetings that would be double, triple the size of this, but they would never be able to advertise the location of the meeting. <laughs> you only got there as if Holy Spirit told you where to go. That's the only way you got to church. How many people think that's another level? <laughs> And in the West, we can be married to our watches. Oh, 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 hey. <laughs> like, oh, church was supposed to start four minutes ago. Church was supposed to end ten minutes ago. I got plans. I got things to do. As if you got something more important. Then... Listen, then I'm not saying then listening to me talk. I'm saying then honoring his presence, being gathered in his glory, and worshiping his name. Thank you, Jesus. We're worried about, we're worried about church was supposed to start four minutes ago. And in the underground church, they don't even know where the service is. They're in prayer for two hours just to get a download of the address. So they can show up to church under the threat of death when they get there. Oh, this side isn't sure. Okay, that's all right. I'll, that's all right. No problem. Ha, 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 Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I had a point. The point is we're going somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and God is bringing flexibility into his body. There's a, a verse that we love. We love in revival circles. We love it. But what's the context? And the verse is Romans 14. I'm just going to hit this quickly. You don't need to turn there. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. How many people have ever heard that before? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. You know, what's the context of this verse, though? The context is Paul is addressing a bunch of people who are starting to wrestle over, over smaller doctrine, over uh, they're starting to split hairs. They're starting to lose focus on the main thing. Let me read you some context. Is that okay? One person esteems one day above the other. Verse 5 of four, Romans 14. 
Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he... To the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us live to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. <laughs> and this is the context. He says, he says, the kingdom of God isn't eating or drinking. He's saying it's not about these, these smaller things that you're wrestling over. It's not about that. It's about right, his righteousness. Like the righteousness of the king of kings. <laughs> it's about his peace. It's about his joy. Those things are transformative things. Don't get so rigid that you lose the main thing. He's like, oh, are we supposed to do it on this day or the next day or every day or none of the days? I don't know. He's saying, stop it. He's like, I don't care if you do it on Tuesday, on Thursday, if you do it every day, as long as the righteousness of God is there. Is it in the center of everything you're doing? Is the peace of God there? Whoa. Is the joy of God there? Because if the joy of God, if the righteousness, peace, and joy of God are there, then you're doing it with him, not just for him. Oh, that was a good word. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable or pleasing to God and approved by men. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Can we just pray? Let me go on. Father, I thank you for your bride. And Father, I thank you for what you're building. And God, we just declare that we haven't arrived, but we know that we're on a journey with our good Father. God, I thank you that you're not in a hurry, but I thank you that you will never quit breathing on those who will stay flexible, growing those who will stay yielded. So, Father, we thank you. We surrender all over again to your increase and to what you're building, what you're breathing on in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Have I mentioned to you I love Jesus a whole lot? <laughs> if you're taking notes, I love Jesus a whole lot. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Whoa, thank you, Father. <clears throat> where, where are we going? I want to talk about creating atmospheres of authority tonight. Atmospheres where people don't just get taught into the things of God, which nothing is wrong with that, but creating places where people step into encounters the moment they draw near. That people just step onto the property and, and get born again. <laughs> that people just walk in the doors and addictions break. That people from around the world start knowing, hey, if you have a troubled marriage, just go to Austin. 
because marriages get healed in Austin. <laughs> I was dreaming about this the other day, and I'm like, what if it got so crazy that people just flew into the Austin airport, got off the plane at one gate, and got on another plane at another gate, and that's all it took? Like, boom, like, God just restored my marriage. It just, I, all I had to do was walk six gates down because there's a residual atmosphere. I know that sounds crazy, but we serve a big God. Thank you, Jesus. If, if you've been hanging out here very long, you know that these things are happening already. That, that we've had people healed in the parking lot before they made it in the building. The lady who drove an hour and a half away in, in lots of pain on a walker, stepped out of her car in the parking lot. Power of God hits her and she gets completely healed and leaves her walker in the car. Look, those are good problems to have. <laughs> those are kingdom problems to have. That just sounded nice saying it. Those are kingdom problems. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> I've talked about it lots of times, but the, the, the resident atmosphere that was created, uh, one back in Reading at Bethel and in the healing rooms in particular, and I've, and I've told lots of stories, people walking in the door and deaf ears opening up and tumors dissolving and all these wonderful things. But one of my favorite stories from, from the healing rooms is a couple who had been divorced for a number of years, and they had, a, 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 I think it was a daughter who was in the school of ministry and had just graduated from first year school of ministry. And both parents flew into town for their daughter's graduation, and they both showed up at the healing rooms on Saturday morning not knowing that the other one was going to be there. Divorced, they both show up, they both have whatever they need prayer for physically, going on. They're on separate sides of the room, but the presence of God, <laughs> the presence of God comes on them. God physically heals them first, but I've said it over and over again. He touches the body to get to the heart. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And in this moment, their touch, their, the awe of God rises up in their hearts. Christ has just done something amazing. Repentance follows. They turn around, find each other, and begin to repent for years of, of mistrust and abuse. And, all, and they start weeping. They start hugging. And they start kissing in the healing rooms. And they make up. They make up right there in the healing rooms and end up getting remarried. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. I, lo I love that so much because we, we in our capacity, we're like, we're, we think we're trying to create a place for physical healing, which that's awesome, right? God loves that, but God is so much bigger than we can think or imagine. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So much. So much can happen when, when we come into the presence of God. And we, 
We are a people that are on a journey just to host his presence. We're not perfect people, but our goal is to be yielded people. Our goal is to be flexible to the king and, and to the Holy Spirit. And you know, I talked about the healing rooms, but I remember uh, there's multiple testimonies, but one that so stands out of people who would, would be driving through Redding, California, and uh, Redding has I-5, Interstate 5, that runs right through the middle of it, just like Austin has Interstate 35 running through the middle of it. And there was a number of times when people would just drive through Redding and they would encounter a wall of God. <laughs> like encounter a wall of God's presence and people without any ministry, without, without any, uh, you know, uh, discipleship, without any evangelism, they would just have an encounter with God. And I remember this particular time, these drug dealers were driving down from Oregon down through Redding, and they hit Redding, and the conviction of God falls on them, and they pull their car over on the freeway and start dumping their drugs out. <laughs> that deserves a bigger response than that. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> and they're dumping their drugs out, and we know this happened because they're dumping their drugs out, and they look up on the hill, and there's Bethel Church up on the hill, and they're like, we don't know what we're doing, but we think we're supposed to go up there. <laughs> so they show up, a service is going on, and somebody greets them, and they tell them the story, uh, we don't know what we're doing here. We're just driving down the freeway, something hits us, we just dump our drugs out and feel like we're supposed to come here. I'm about to start praying in tongues. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because we serve a big God. A big God. A big God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, worship was beautiful tonight. And as we continue to worship, as we continue to press in, as we continue to lay down, he's going to continue to come because it's his promise. And he's going to continue to, to, to rest and dwell and abide and establish his throne in our midst. And if those are things that are happening already, what's getting ready to happen? And I actually shared, um, I shared a version of this message down at, uh, in San Marcos at Hill Country Church the other week as an invitation to partner. But I was like, I can't share that there and not share here. But I want to see the, the bride, the body of Christ, raised up to this point where we simply make declarations over our city and things change. That we can move into the authority realm of God, that we can declare this is an addiction-free zone. And people start driving up the freeway and have to pull over and dump their drugs out. What, what, oh, how beautiful is it when somebody has tracks on their arm from drug addiction, and not only does the addiction break, but the tracks disappear. Come on, thank you, Jesus. That when the, the bride of Christ steps into her place of authority and declares this is a divorce-free zone, declares this is a cancer-free zone, 
and things shift in the heavenlies and manifest in the natural. And all people have to do is fly into Austin. I don't just believe God can do it. I believe God wants to do it. And I believe that God is longing and desiring for a people who will be yielded enough and flexible enough to go with him into these places. Thank you, Jesus. We serve a good God. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. And I'm going to read quite a lot of verses tonight, but that's okay because we love the Word. Amen? And I want to I wanna open our eyes uh, to a story that we probably know in, in parts, in parts, um, but we, we know that, that the chapters... The chapter breaks in the Bible and the section headings were added later. And the original writing, it was, it was just a continual flow. And sometimes uh, we can lose the context or we can lose um, the deeper meaning or the, the umph behind what's being said because although they were put there to help us, to help us kind of organize and stay on track, we compartmentalize, and so we'll separate one thing from another because there's a chapter break there, but that wasn't in the original text. Thank you, Jesus. And so I'm going to start in the end of Matthew 15, and we're going to read a ways down into Matthew 16, but, it's, but it's, it's, all one, it's all one story. Somebody say one story. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. In, uh, in the end of Matthew uh, 15, starting in verse 32, now Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And they do not want to send them away hungry, lest they faint on the way. Then the disciples said to him, where can we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said that how much how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks. That's important. Broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave them to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now those who, were, now those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude, got in a boat, and came to the region of Magdala. Now, how many people know that Jesus feeding 4,000 men, not including the number of women and children, from seven loaves and a few fish is a miracle? How many people think that's a big miracle? In, 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 God's, in God's equation, there's no such thing as one bigger miracle than another, but that is an undeniable miracle. You're not sure. Like, listen, that's an undeniable miracle, right? It's, it's, it's separate from the category of, like, you prayed for somebody with a headache, and they're like, yeah, my headache went away. And you're like, well, how do I know you really had a headache before, you know? How do I know you didn't take Tylenol an hour ago? Like, like. Now listen, if you have a headache and God takes it away, that's a miracle. It's a good thing. 
But when he feeds at least 4,000 a lot more people from seven loaves of bread and a few fish, that's a big miracle. Undeniable miracle. That is God in our midst miracle. Can I get an amen to that? So God does this miracle. Then he jumps in the boat and he arrives on the other side. And then in 16, verse 1, same story. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came testing him and asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Then he answered and said to them, when is evening? He goes, you know how to read the sky and you could tell tell the, the seasons. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. A wicked and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, the next thing that happens, <coughs> they, they get in a boat again, and when the disciples had, the other side, they had forgotten to take bread, and then Jesus said to them, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have taken no bread. I love Jesus. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? Because you have brought no bread. Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves... Of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? <laughs> it says, verse 12, it says, Then they understood that he, not, that he did not tell them, Beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They're a little bit slow on the uptake, <laughs> but they got there, right? <clears throat> They understood, they did not tell them to be aware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The story goes on. When Jesus came into the region, accessories of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The, the son of man, am. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, other Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It goes on. We're almost done. Are you with me still? Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. We all love that part. And the next verse, 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We love that verse, but here's the next verse, and, somebody say and, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and, somebody say and, and whatever you bind I lost my place, bad timing. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we just read a whole lot of verses, but it tells this incredible story. And, and it starts with, as we just reviewed, Jesus feeding the 4,000 from a few loaves, from seven loaves and a few fish. Undeniable miracle. 
And then they get in the boat and they cross the other side. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to him. And it says, testing him, they ask, what sign are you going to show us? Now, you know that they're aware of what just happened across the lake. He, before they left, he sent the multitude away. That word buzzed around, and everybody knew what Jesus just did. Besides, if you didn't know that, he's already been raising the dead. He's already fed the multitude one time, right? He's already been doing miracles up and down the region. And it says they came to him testing him, saying, what sign are you going to show us? And Jesus essentially rebukes them. Why? Because they weren't coming asking to show him to see a sign because they want to know that he's the son of God. They were, they were testing him because they want to disprove that he's the son of God. It was actually, I'll get there. So he rebukes them, and then it goes on. They get in the boat, and he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they're like, uh, he's mad at us because we didn't bring bread. He's like, duh. Guys, I'm not talking about bread. Don't you remember the 5,000? Don't you remember the 4,000? They're like, just happened? Don't you remember? I'm not talking about bread. And at that moment, they're like, oh, right. Uh, he's not talking about bread. He's saying, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Same story. Say same story. The next, the very next thing that happens is he says, who do people say that I am? And then he says, who do you say that I am? And this is what happens. Peter speaks up and says, I know who you are. You're the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And at that moment, Jesus grabs a hold of that moment and goes, bing. He goes, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father from heaven. And then he goes into making a series of extraordinary promises. And he calls Peter the rock. And he says, on this I'm going to build my church and Hades will not prevail against it. That's amazing. But then he goes on and says, and I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom." On this declaration, and, here, here it is, and I'm going to give you the authority that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do we realize what just happened here is that Peter came in the opposite revelation of the Pharisees. That the Pharisees came to test Jesus, not because they wanted to see, to see him enthroned. They came to test him out of the Antichrist spirit. Peter's revelation came out of the opposite. The first thing he says is, you're the Christ. In the Greek, it's Christos, the anointed one. Peter's revelation is, I know who you are. There's something that's come alive inside of me. The spirit of truth has wakened something inside of me. I know who you are. You're the Christ. You're the anointed one. The anointed one 
the Son of the living God. The divinity of Christ. And at that, Jesus grabs a hold of that and says, bingo. On that, I'm going to build my church. And on that, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. And on that, I'm going to extend authority so that what you bind will be bound and what you loose will be loosed. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What's he saying? Be aware of the mindset, the religious mindset, and the religious spirit that tries to take Christ, the Christos, out of the center of our consciousness, of our awareness, of our faith. That they came to test him. They came... They came to actually, they came not because they wanted to glorify him as the son of God, but they actually wanted to remove the anointing from the situation. They were hoping that he wouldn't be able to do it and then say, see, I told you. It's the opposite of the revelation that Peter came with. And do you know that the Bible tells us that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. So this, this story obviously is a principle that we're called to walk in. And what's, what's the point? The point is that we're supposed to protect our revelation of the anointed one. That we're supposed to protect our revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. But things try to creep in and try to question the anointing. Try to question his divinity. Like, oh, did that really just happen? Oh, could that really be true? Oh, if God's on the throne, then why do these bad things happen? Oh, I, I, I've surrendered to God, but, but my week's been real terrible. And these things that instead of seeing the anointed one enthroned in our awareness, these things pull at the anointing and trying to get the anointed one off the throne of our awareness. And even a little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. But the opposite is also true. If we keep our awareness on him, it leavens the whole loaf. <laughs> and that we, have, that we have opportunity at every turn to, to let our awareness of Christ, the Son of the living God, have preeminence. Thank you, Jesus. It's why we worship and keep on worshiping. It's why, it's why you could feel it tonight. We didn't want to stop worshiping because we're coming to this place where he's being enthroned in the praise of his people. We're beholding him in his glory. And when we can do that, that leaven, that kingdom leaven begins to leaven the whole lump. Do you know it's okay to have questions? The Pharisees had a question, but they had a question out of a manipulative heart. Where 
you can have questions, but we're supposed to come to this place of finding Christ, being coming aware of his anointing first, of, of his divinity first. Oh, Jesus, you're so amazing. You're so real. You're so good. And then through that lens, we now have authority to turn and look at the problems. But now we're carrying authority to bind. And we're carrying authority to loose. Thank you, Jesus. You know, there's, it's okay to have questions if you have them in the right heart. In Mark, in Mark 9, Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And they come across a boy who is gripped with a spirit that gives him seizures, a mute spirit, and it throws him down and convulses him, and the, and the, the disciples try and cast it out, and they can't. So, so in verse 21, Jesus asked the Father, how long has this been happening? He said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything... <laughs> but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And the, boy, and the boy was healed and completely delivered. But listen, this man had questions, but he had a genuine heart. And he, he, even, he even came with his wrestle of unbelief. First he's like, God, if you can do anything... That's a silly question, but we've asked it, if we're going to be honest, we've asked it more than once. But here's what Jesus says, if you can believe. Listen, if you can, if you can get your focus on the anointed one, if you can get your focus on his divinity is in our midst. Well, I don't know if you got that. If you can get your focus is on his divinity and is, is in our midst, all things become possible. And the father cried out, Jesus, he said, when he said, I believe. <laughs> and then he says, help my unbelief. It's okay to have questions. We're called to be a worshiping community. We're called to be flexible. We're called to follow the Holy Spirit. Because when he comes, he brings all of his goodness with him. And God is getting ready to break out in a brand new way. But he's calling us, he's calling us to walk aware of 
the Christos of the anointed one. He's calling us to walk aware of his divinity at all times. Let that leaven, leaven the whole loaf. Become aware of God as we worship. Because it says that he inhabits our praise, does it not? And as we become aware of him, he begins to fill his bride. And then we have authority to turn and just declare this is a divorce-free zone. This is a cancer-free zone. This is an addiction-free zone. And people who simply walk into the rooms, addictions begin to fall off. The people who just walk into the city, divorce is no longer an option. People who just drive down I-35 have to pull over and dump the drugs out of their car. Why? Because there's a company of people who have put their focus on the Christos, on the anointing of God, on his presence, on his goodness, on his divinity. Thank you, Jesus. Because he says, on that, I'm going to build my church. Thank you, Jesus. Not on eating or drinking. Not on what time does service start, what time does service end. Not on how far do I have to travel for a home group. <laughs> Not on all, like, am I sitting in a comfortable chair or a folding chair. Not on any of those things. <laughs> He's going to build his church on the revelation that he is the anointed one. <laughs> and he's the son of the living God. And he is in our midst. And everything that comes to wrestle against that, we're called to cut off. <laughs> to disallow, to rebuke. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> We're called to, to have pure bread from heaven that hasn't been defiled by that religious spirit. In the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, it says, give us this day our daily bread. And I've touched on this many times. He's not just talking about meager provision, enough, just enough to get by for the day. Because we serve an extravagant God who came to give life and life more abundantly. Is that true? Yes. That, that we serve this royal, extravagant, beautiful God. He's not saying, just pray that you would have just enough to eat by again today, and then tomorrow pray the same thing. How many people know that doesn't line up with the nature of God? What is he saying? He's saying, every day, ask for an encounter with my pure bread, with my undefiled revelation of, of who I am. Come again fresh to me and experience me as the Christos. As the anointed one. Come again and connect with me as the son of the living God. Because if you do that, on that I'm going to build my church. And on that, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. <laughs> and on that... <laughs> I'm going to give you the authority that what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. 
what you loose on earth. If we bind addiction, but we can loose miracles. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That we can, that we can release restoration. That we can release his redemptive nature. That we can release his father's love. That we can release the spirit of adoption. Thank you, Jesus. Why? Because we have authority. Because we've beheld him in his glory. I believe in the beauty of the bride. I believe in what he's building. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. We're going to behold his beauty, and we're going to lose some glory. Does that sound good to anybody in here tonight? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There they come. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know, you know the, the story of Mount Sinai? That Moses met with God on the mountain, and God came down as an all-consuming fire. And the, it says that the, the, the top of the mountain was turned black, because the rocks were scorched. But how many people know that God's plan wasn't to scorch rocks? He just happens to be an all-consuming fire. And when he draws near, things change. But you know, it's not our job to seek out scorched rocks. It's our job to seek out the fire. You know, it's not our job to seek out the result without seeking the source. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God, God touches lives. He heals bodies. But it's not about healing bodies. It's about our loving Father coming and winning his kids back. It's about the spirit of adoption. It's about love encounters. It's about every one of his kids knowing just how madly in love with him, with them that he is. And that good father is in the room right now. And he has a bunch of friends. He has a bunch of sons and daughters in the room that have authority. Thank you, Jesus. Can you dream with me? Can you dream with me? What does the surrendered church of Christ look like? <laughs> what does a company of people who says, God, I'm all in to go after your image. I'm not going to chase just 
the Western image of church that has been put before me. I'm even willing to be flexible, God. The traditions that I've come so used to, I'm going to hold them loosely so that you can lead me into this beautiful dance. Thank you, Jesus. If you believe that he's the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one, if you believe that he's the son of the living God, I want to invite you to stand to your feet tonight. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> In just a moment, we're going to, as favored sons and daughters, we're going to loose the glory of God. We're going to loose the joy of God. We're going to loose the goodness of God. But first, we need to behold Him in His beauty. Can you just lift up your eyes with me and just behold Him in His beauty? Jesus. Ah, I know who you are. In fact, there's, there's people in this room, Eddie hit it during the close of worship, there's people in this room that you've had a rough week. You've had a terrible week. There's stuff that's been coming after you and thoughts have been going all crazy and you need to do like Peter did and said, aha, I know who you are. You're the Christ. The anointed one of God. I know who you are. You're the son of the living God. Come on. Just do that right now. Just between you and your father in heaven. Just behold Jesus in his glory right now. And just tell him in your own way, in your own words, in your own song. Just tell him. I know who you are. Yeah, come on, behold him. Behold him. Whew, there it is. Behold him. Behold him. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.